0: all right good morning church everybody doing good all right man what a great day what a great day already amen the uh the worship was incredible and i want to encourage you guys to come back tonight because at 6 30 we have a night of worship and it'll be a lot of songs like that we want you to be a part of that and so uh man it's good to be back we are excited about uh, kicking off this new series or i am uh so excited about this message that uh that i want to teach and i want to share with you guys today that i couldn't go to sleep last night you know, I'm sitting there, I'm laying in the bed, and I'm praying about it, and I'm thinking about it, and then I'm preaching it, and I kind of get a little bit worked up, and i was like, man, I can't go to sleep, so I had to go take a Tylenol PM, so hopefully I'm not slurring right now, I'm just saying, so I had to go get something to help me sleep, but I am I'm excited about this message, and, uh, but I, man, I love what uh, Pastor Nate taught on last week, the Shema. And talking about that there is one God, that right there is one Lord. And um, man, that we're to love Him with everything that is in us. That all that we have, our, all of our love, all, love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything that's in us. That's what we're supposed to do. And, and so I love the opportunity today to be able to talk about God's love for us. You know, we're to love Him with everything that's in us. And, you know, And if we love Him, then we should love what He loves. Wouldn't you all agree with that? We should love what He loves. And so I hope that today as we look at the Scriptures, as we look at the Gospel, that you're going to go, you know what, I begin to see or I understand what God is really about, what His, what his nature is about. Man, He is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. And He wants, he wants a relationship with every one of us. Every song that we, sang, that we sang today was pointing to that same thing, the same Gospel. And so this new series we talk about, Ducks in a Row, really what, what Ducks in a Row means is kind of getting ready for something. It's to get everything properly organized, ready, and prepared. You know, it's, hey, everybody's getting ready to go back to school this week, maybe. And, you know, the moms and dads are like, hey, listen, it's time to get our, our schedules back in order. You know, we're going to, we, we, you know, we're not going to be free willie anymore. It's going to be, hey, listen, we're going to try to get everything back, in you know, kind of in an order, a structure, get our ducks in a row, make, make sure we got supplies together, make sure everything's ready, right? Make the right, the right clothes or shoes or whatever you might need. So you're, you're trying to get ready for that. So one of the things that we do is we're always asking, you know, God, we want to be ready for the next person, the next opportunity for us to do ministry and to literally impact and influence our community for the cause of the gospel, right, for the cause of Christ. So that we're always asking that question as a church. And so I wanted to uh, kind of share with you what we, why we exist as a church. So Journey Church exists to reach people who are disconnected from God, and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. It's real easy to just kind of say that and say, hey, that sounds good, but I want you to look back up here. It says exist. That's why we exist as a church. We don't, we don't meet just to, hey, let's do church. Let's just worship, and let's just have a good time, and let's go home with a kind of a feel-good, and let's go home and be okay with that being enough. That is not why this church exists. I want to be clear. We, this church was planted. This church was planted to reach the unchurched, the unsaved. To go after the lost. I mean, that's why we, we planted Journey Church. And we didn't, we didn't want to just suck people out of other churches that were mad at their pastors or mad at their church or whatever. That is not what we're about. I'll be honest with you. When we do our Connect class, we were just promoting it. Whenever I look at the Connect class and I go, hey, listen, man, it's mainly, mainly Christians that are joining Journey. I'm going, hey, listen, maybe, maybe we're, we're off target. Maybe we're missing what we're about. And if we're just swapping sheep with other churches, I'm just telling you, that's not why Journey Church was planted. We were planning to go after the unchurched, the unsaved. And, and so there's plenty of churches that, I mean if you want to swap sheep, I mean, they're, they're good with that, but I'm not. And I'll be honest with you, it's just not my heart. And so my heart is, hey, I man, how do we reach the unchurched, the unsaved? How do we reach them? So that is why we exist, is to reach them. And here's the thing, it's not it doesn't end there, but it's, what does it say? It says that a disconnect from God lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We want to see discipleship take place. And, it, and really, all that is—you know what that is? That is the great—that is the great commission, right there. That's what Jesus said. He says, "Hey, go and make disciples. You know, tell everybody what you've learned. Tell everybody about me. Is what he's saying. And then, and you know, teach them everything that you've learned. And so, every one of us, every believer in this room, now there's nothing wrong with being a part of the church. Some of you guys going, well, hey man, we joined, we're already Christians. If you want to be on mission, this mission, then come on, right? Let's go do this together. But the thing we've got to be willing to say, hey, listen. Are we on target? Are we hitting? Like if I'm shooting something, if I'm shooting a gun, I love to shoot guns and I love to hunt and all that kind of stuff. But I, I love accuracy. I love to be accurate. I cannot stand a, a large group when I'm shooting guns. I want it to be tight. My son tells me, he goes, Daddy, you're, you're a little bit over the top on that. And I may be, but I want it to be accurate. I want an accurate rifle, accurate gun, you know? And, and so the thing is, we have to ask, are we hitting the bullseye? Are we, are we hitting the target? Are we, on, on, are we sighted in? Are we focused on the right thing? And so that's, that's what today is really about because I want us to kind of line up again with God's Word and see, see what it says. So today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 15 and many of you guys are familiar with this passage. You've read it many times and it talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And so it says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I love that. So look at that. It says the tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Kind of like these are some rough people. These are some pretty bad dudes. You know what I'm saying? That are showing up to, to hear Jesus' teaching. And, and, and so they're showing up, and the tax collectors, and let me, you know, we often go, you know, wh- why is it such a big deal for the tax collector? Just to kind of give you a little bit of history on that background, the tax collectors in the day when this was written were people that were, they were people that were Jews that had literally paid the, the Roman government a little bit of money so that they could tax Their friends, their relatives, their people—they were almost considered as traitors. You know, they were—they were—they were were traitors to the to the Jewish nation, and so they would literally pay the Roman government so that they could tax everybody else and literally take as much as they could get off the people and then pay it back to the Roman government so that the Roman government could terrorize them, could literally beat them, you know, control them, crucify them that's why the crucifixion was such a big deal they could do whatever they wanted to and so these tax collectors were like they they were literally like the scum of the earth to the jewish people and, and so they were coming to hear this teaching that jesus was sharing and man they wanted to hear more and more you know if you've seen any of the chosen, you've seen matthew the tax collector that was the one that they were like hey they, they, did, they had an issue with him right the other people had a had an issue with him but god changed his heart and it says other notorious sinners, and you know we often want to we want to quantify uh, sin. We'll say, well, that's a really bad sin, or this one's kind of a little sin, or that's a little white lie, whatever. But God says sin is sin, right? But we, as people, often go, well, you know that's that's a sin up here, that's a sin down here. It's all sin in God's eyes. So let's let's keep moving. I've got a lot of ground to cover today. So I got to talk fast. Y'all got to listen fast. All right. So this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I mean, here's Jesus, the Son of God. Here's Jesus, who is God in flesh, who is hanging out with notorious sinners and even tax collectors. And, and so these religious people, these churchy people, if you will, were going like, man, I don't know about that. You know, I don't, I don't know about that. This past week, we were in a, we were in a trustee meeting. We have trustees that kind of oversee the, the finances of the church and try to make sure that we're doing things above reproach and making sure that we're making the most of every penny. And that we're able to fund and and support that mission that we talked about. Why Journey Church exists. And so we were sitting in there. And I heard someone say, they said, you know, uh, man, you know, in Montgomery, it's been a rough week. There's like four shootings in Montgomery this week. And in my mind, this is where I went. I was like, you know what, man, those people need Jesus. Those people need Jesus. Not just the people that got shot. But I'm talking about the people that did the shooting, right? They need Jesus in their life. They need to hear the gospel. They need to know that, you know what, there's there's something better You know, there's, there's a, there's a different world out there. There's a good thing for you. There's a love that can change you from the inside out and it'll change what's important to you. And so for me, that's, that's where my mind went and we're in there and we're, and we're trying to figure out financially how to do some things here at the church that, you know, it's just going to take being a little bit creative for us to make these things happen. But the, the reason we're trying to do these things is so we can reach as many people as possible with the gospel. And so these religious people were having a problem with that. And I'll just tell you this. There's some of you that are probably sitting there thinking right now. Or maybe some of you watching online going, why would you worry about them? Because they're somebody's someone. You know what I'm saying? They're somebody's child. They're somebody's son. They're somebody's daughter or whatever it might be. Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, whatever it might be. A brother, sister. They matter. They matter to God. And so these sinful people had a problem with the fact that Jesus uh, wanted to hang out with these sinners. So Jesus told them the story. He says, if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Will he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the what? The one. the one. He'll go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And so what Jesus is telling us, and we're going to go through three different stories here today. And we're going to, like I said, it's a lot of ground to cover, but that's hey, Jesus' fault because he told it. And so the thing is, is he's talking about three different stories, same point, same theme as he's moving through this. And so he's, he's wanting them to understand it. You know, he's telling this story from three different angles so that hopefully everybody there hearing that's going to understand what the Father's heart is really about. And it's about reaching those that are far from God. God I mean, Jesus came here to redeem us, to restore us, to set us free. To, but here's the thing, he, he, he's, he's pursuing us. He's chasing after us. Every one of you in this room, I'm telling you, he is after you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to change your heart so that man, the, the, your heart is literally filled with, with life and with love and with excitement. And so he says, Hey man, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help me go find this, this one lost sheep. So he's, he's going after it until he finds it. It says, When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. So he's found the sheep. He leaves the 99, he leaves them behind to go find this one that has wandered off. And and for some of us, we would say, hey, well, listen, those people wandered off on their own. If they were dumb enough to do that, then let them go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's our mentality sometimes. But that's not not the shepherd's mentality. The shepherd's like, hey, I'll keep the 99 here, and I'm going to go get this one. It matters enough for me to leave them to go get that one. And so we need to understand, and I think the church needs to be reminded of this, that, you know what? God says, hey, listen, it's not about us. I mean, we're in. If you're a believer, if you put your faith in Christ, you're saved, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're good. I mean, you're going to, go to, you're going to go to be with God in glory, right? But there are people out there. There are people that maybe are even sitting in this room today or watching online that, man, their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And we've got to worry enough. And we've got to care enough. And we've got to be willing to do enough to reach them with the gospel. Make sure that they hear it. You know, make sure that they know it. And, and so that's what Jesus is telling the religious people. Hey, listen, there's people out there that matter. There's people out there that Man, it, they're lost and they're they're chasing everything but God. They're they they they're lost. I can remember years ago, Lori and I, we were going for, to a doctor's appointment. She was pregnant with our middle son Zach, and uh, Hunter, my oldest, was about three years old. And we're we're in these elevators, and we go up the you know the the elevator, and we we kind of get off at where the doctor's office is at that we're going into, and we're talking or walking, you know. And so Hunter's with us, and uh, I don't have his hand or whatever, but we walk, and and I hear. I hear, bye, Daddy. And I turn around, and I look back, and he is in the elevator, and the doors are closing. And I'm like, I said, you go ahead and go to the appointment. I'll go get him. And so I take off down this flight of stairs. And if you've ever been in a hurry trying to get down a flight of stairs, I mean, it's like you're jumping and landing on the landing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're like, I'm trying to get down there, and there's just kind of this, your heart's like right here in your throat. and You're like, I got to get to him. I got to find him. You know? And so you're, I'm, I'm flying down these, these stairs trying to get down to the bottom. I come busting through the door. I run over to that elevator and i'm thinking all right i probably beat him down here to the front and that elevator opens up and he's not there throat you're just like ah. and so there's that mm, i'm quickening and i'm starting to get a little shaky i'm like all right so i go to the security desk and say hey listen did y'all see a little boy come out and i told him what he was dressed like you know and i'm like hey man do you know it? did you see it and like, we hadn't seen the little boy i'm like all right and uh, so i go over to this other area like information booth i asked them they don't they hadn't seen anything i'm looking around and i'll just tell you this right now if I'd have found him with somebody, it wouldn't have been good for those people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was, I was in daddy bear mode, you know, like somebody better not have him. And, and so I'm, 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 it's, it's, it's fight mode right now. So all of a sudden I start running back up the steps and I'm, I'm going to every floor and I'm knocking on the door of every office and say, like, Hey, listen, have you guys seen a little boy? Cause you didn't have like an Amber alert or anything like that back then or be able to say, Hey, listen, we got a code, whatever. And so I am flying and I'm going out, knocking on every door and I get up to whatever it is, third or fourth floor. And this lady goes, he's in here. Come on in. And it was like, whew, I could breathe, man. I was, so what I did. I went and armed him up. And I, when I come around the corner, he goes, hey, daddy. And he's over there coloring. And I'm like, dude, I just armed him up. See, I thought he was lost. And I didn't know what had happened. I, know, I, I didn't know where he was at. And so that's the way that God is with us. He knows where we're at. But, man, he wants to arm us up. He wants to put his arms around. He wants to hold us. He goes, well, hey, welcome home. So I armed him up. And I'm walking back. And I'm, I'm to- 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 toting him back upstairs. And I'm kind of getting everything back together. You know, and, and I, I take him back up to where his mom's at, and we're sitting there, and we're like, hey, dude, don't ever do that again. That's that part of me. I want to wear his butt out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're a parent, you understand. I want to wear his butt out. But I'm not doing it at that moment. And I'm not doing it there. But we had a serious conversation about, hey, listen, listen, dude, when we step off an elevator, we need you to be with us. I want you to be with us wherever we go. I want you to be willing to, hey, Daddy, I'm going with you. And I'm just telling you, that's the way we ought to be. We ought to go, you know what? If there's somebody out there that's lost, we ought to be willing to go after them, chase after them. Whatever it takes to get this, Amen. Hey I want you to go where I'm going. I want you to go to heaven with me. I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. I want you to experience abundant life, and that that should be our passion, our motivation. That we go. You know what, God? I want to reach the unchurched, the unsaved, and make disciples of them. That's what Jesus is teaching here. He says, when he had found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, "Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep." Don't you love that? I mean, I, I love that. You know, say, hey, man, we're going, we're going to party. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven for over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. If y'all ever wonder why whenever we do baptism, Tony's like, come on, church. He's pumping y'all up he, he going because we celebrate when the lost are saved. When someone goes public with their faith, man, we want to celebrate that. When the lost come home, whenever, whenever, those that are captive or set free, man, we want to celebrate that. We, we want to be, we want this to be a party around here. So we do that. We celebrate the lost being saved. We, we, that's a big deal. That is eternity. You know, I tell people all the time, hey, listen, what we do is so important. There's other things that happen throughout the week that are important. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But what we do in here and what we do whenever we are representing Christ has eternity hanging in the balance you know, I'll I'll joke with people at times, you know, but it's kind of a, it's probably a passive aggressive joke, probably not healthy. You know what I'm saying? But somebody will do something, it'll kind of be not really done real well. And I'll say, Hey, listen, man, just keep in mind, there's only eternity hanging in a balance. In other words, let's do that with excellence. Let's do that the best that we can do it. I think that God deserves that. And the people that we're trying to reach, they deserve that. Right? And so we've got to have that mentality. Hey, whatever it takes. And if it takes sacrifice, we're going to do that. So we celebrate the lost being saved. We want it to be a party. I was just joking with a young lady over here. I said, hey, man, it's a party up in here. It's a celebration. That's why we call these celebration services. It's a celebration, not a funeral, right? We we want it to be fun in here. We want it to be exciting in here. We celebrate life change. Man, when someone goes from death unto life, man, we want to celebrate that. And so we love to share testimonies and tell people about what God has done in someone's life. We get excited about that. And I think it's because that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus loved it when a man or soul was saved, and he loved it whenever they changed, and whenever they began to follow him, he loved it. He loved it. He loves seeing life change. We love seeing life change. We've got to be willing to go after the one. We as a church, we as individuals have got to be willing to go after the one. I can't do it by myself. I can just tell you that. I can't reach everybody. And you, and you know what? And just one or two people can't do that either. Our staff can't reach everybody, but some of you guys can. You know, some of you guys can do that. you got to be willing to say, hey, listen, what can I do to reach the lost? It's wherever you go. If we go back to the Great Commission, hey, as you are going, as you are doing life, you are to take the gospel. You are to take the good news with you wherever you go. And it's by how you live, and it's what you say, and it's how you treat people. All those things come into play. You're witness. And you got to be able to share the gospel no matter where you are. You might say, well, Mike, I don't know if I can do that. If you read this passage that we're reading today, and you know what it means, I promise you, you can share the gospel. You can tell somebody about Jesus. And so we've got to be willing to go after that one. We've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, how do we reach those guys who are shooting? How do we reach those people that are, you know, that are living in sin, that are men are caught up in crime or whatever? How do we reach them with the gospel? And we've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. We pray every week for the lost to come here. But I'm just telling you, we never intended to be a church where it was about a show. We wanted to be a church that was on the go, that as we were living out our life, we were living out the gospel. And that means every member, every one of us have to have that mentality. And so if you've committed to membership here at Journey Church, you got to be able to say, hey, listen, I committed to that. Then we need to be on mission. We need to be consistent on doing that. And so here's the parable of the lost coin. So another, a second story, Jesus is telling this. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep that entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. I found my lost coin. What she's, Again, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, she's got nine. But, it, you know, really, if you go back and you read this in some other translations, I mean, it talks about how pretty much she's turning the house upside down. Have you ever, y'all ever turned the house upside down for something that was pretty important, like car keys? I mean, cushions are going everywhere. Bed sheets are coming off. You're like, where did I lose those keys? Because I've got to be at work in 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? So you're tearing the house apart. And you're trying to find something that's important. Well, that's what she was doing. She's got, I mean, she's lit a lamp. She's on her hands and knees. She's looking under every bed, every crevice. I mean, she's looking for it. And so I don't know if you guys have ever heard me tell the story, but Laurie and I, we went to her parents' anniversary getaway. They wanted us to go uh, celebrate 50 years with them. And we went to Folly Beach, South Carolina. And so we get there, we drop off the, the kids, and we're going to try to figure out, hey, how do you get to the beach? Because we weren't on the beach, so we had to figure out how do you get to it. So we drop them off, we're riding down, and we have a head-on collision with a drunk driver. And, um, it, you know, the car was still somewhat drivable, but we had to have it worked on. That guy was drunk, the girl that was with him was drunk, they went to jail, you know, and, and so it was just, it, it could have been a whole lot worse. And then while we're there, you know, we're going to see a movie. So Laurie's driving her mom and dad's cars. So we turn into a movie theater, and Laurie sideswipes the car in the parking lot. Kind of a rough week, you know what I'm saying? And so we have to wait. We get to people's information. We kind of exchange information, all that kind of stuff. We're driving home. Laurie's driving. There's no air conditioning, and it's a long drive, and it is hot, hot, hot. And it's just like one of those weeks, you know what I'm saying? So we get, we, we're headed back. We're about to get on 85 there in Auburn, and— um, or Opelika and anyway so we're about to get on 85 and Laurie actually kind of turns in front of somebody and I'm like dude what are you doing you know and so I said pull over I'll drive and, and when we get in the car I said you know what? when we get home I bet the house gonna be broken too and she goes you know I was thinking the same thing I mean the way the week's been going I mean what else you know so we finally we get to the house we walk in hey everything's fine that was on Saturday we get home on Saturday it was Father's Day so the next day I come I preach we walk into the house uh, after church house been broken too everything I mean everything is strewn everywhere turned upside down. Laurie's in freak out mode, you know, and for ladies in the room, y'all understand that. I'm like, Hey, it's all right. It's okay. You know? And she's like, no, it's not okay. But everything is just thrown everywhere. Well, that's a pretty good picture of what this lady's doing for this coin. I mean, she is tearing, she's turning everything upside down to find this coin. And she's going, you know what? I've got to find it. And for a lot of people they would say, we got nine more Maybe for the religious people that say, "Well, you know, we got enough people to fill up the church." I mean, this is nine o'clock. We we got a pretty full service. Ten forty-five last week was it was slammed, and we go, well, "You know, we got enough people here to do church," but we've never been about just doing church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not what this church was planted for. But it's about going after the unchurched, the unsaved. It's about making disciples. It's about watching people grow up and experiencing life change. That's that's what we're about, and, and so. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner, what, repents, comes home. And so, listen, I mean, Jesus is telling two stories here. Hey, these are important, but this is what matters to God. This is what matters to God. It's people. It's not stuff. It's not things. So here's a good question. Are you willing to turn your whole world upside down for just one more? Are you, am I, willing to turn, up my, turn my whole life upside down for the cause of one? You know, am I, am I willing to change maybe how we live so that we can invest more in the kingdom of God? Or are we willing to say, listen, we're going to give up that trip that we were going to go on. Or are we going to give up maybe one of the vacations that we do this year because we want to, we want to go on a mission trip. Or hey, maybe we, what we want to do is we want to invest in a mission somewhere. Or maybe we want to, we want to invest in the church and they're trying to reach the unchurched and say, And so we're going, to, we're going to invest so that the trustees aren't having to sit around trying to figure out how we're going to pay for something. We've got the funds there because the church believes in what we're doing. And say, so, hey, you know what, we're going to give to that. We're going to invest. We're going to sacrifice. If that's what it takes, we'll sacrifice to make sure that the church can reach the unchurched and unsaved. Because that one more may be your mom or your dad, or maybe your brother or your sister, or your son or your daughter, or your aunt or your uncle, or whatever it might be. But you go, you know what? I believe in the mission of this church. I believe in the gospel. I believe it has the power to change lives. And, and, and I want to be a part of that. And so we got to be able to say, you know, am I willing to give up what the—am turn? Am I willing to— turn the world upside down for just one more soul and if not you may have to ask yourself do I really grasp the gospel do I understand what Jesus was willing to do do I understand what he came here to do are you willing to give up something you can't keep for someone's eternity that they can't lose are we willing to, are we just going to, hey, I'm going to keep hoarding stuff, I'm going to keep getting more stuff, I'm going to go to this, I'm going to go to that, and I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, or would we be able to say, hey, listen, I'm going to take that, those funds, and I'm going to put them in something that I believe has a good return, and I would say the church, I would say missions, I would say that's a good return, eternity, people's lives and souls are changed for eternity, so we got to be willing to ask ourselves, hey, are we living, like, I, I asked Alec, when I got out of that, that trustee meeting, I asked him, and said, hey, listen, if every church, if every family that's a member of our church were just to tithe, what, you know, what, what, would, that, what would that amount be? And this is just the ones that have committed to membership. And, and to be honest with you, it's probably closer to $3.5 million, just to be honest with you. Just to tithe. And that's, just, that's 10% of about $69,000, which is the median income for our area. Some of you guys wait, make way more than that. Some of you make less. I get that. But what if, what, if we, what if we just tithe, just our people tithe? It'd be about $3.5 million. And we're working off a budget right now about one point four. And, in, and here we are trying to be creative on how to figure out, hey, how do we do some things to reach more people? And I'm sitting there going, it's because we haven't turned everything upside down in our lives as the body of Christ. Because it's more about us, it's about what we got and what we want, right? Rather than it's about, hey, about the kingdom of God. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to I reach the lost. I want to reach one more for the kingdom. Here's the parable of the lost son. Many guys know this is the prodigal son, right? You know, we, we call it the, the, the story of the prodigal son. And so Jesus says he wants to illustrate it, the point further. He wants he says, hey, listen, I, I, really, I really want you guys to get this is what he's saying. He's told two stories. I really want you to understand what the kingdom of God is really about. I really want you to understand what God's heart is really for. I really want you to catch this is what Jesus is saying. Amen. I'm telling you, and here it is. Like I said, it's notorious sinners. It's religious people. And they're all struggling with what he's got to say and they're going, man, I don't know. Some of, some of these notorious sinners are probably going, hey, man, I'm too far gone. I don't know if there's any hope for me. The religious people are probably going, oh, man, you know, I'm good. I'm a pretty good dude. You know, I, I go to the services every week. I'm pretty involved. I'm pretty engaged. You know, And they're probably going, hey, man, I'm good. So Jesus, again, back up. Let me hit this right here. Back up one. There you go. The parable of The lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons, right? Two sons. Most of us know this it's the older brother younger brother right all right let's hit it there so the younger son told his father i want my share of your estate now before you die so his father agreed to divide his wealth between what the two sons right so what that what that, that son is saying is say, hey dad i'm pretty much done with you and some of you guys some of you teenagers and some of you college students probably feel that way like hey man i am done with my family i'm ready to move on i'm ready to have my own life Now i get that that's a cool thing but what he's saying is, "Hey, Dad, I'm done with you. I am dead to you. I really, am I, really, I really just want to go do my own thing. I'm not really worried about you." And, and so he is—he is pretty much checking out. And the dad, showing incredible grace, says, "Okay," and he gives him his half or his part, and then he divides it, like I said, between him and his brother. And so Jesus is—I mean, uh, so Jesus is telling the story and he's pointing out just how the how gracious our God is. A few days later, this young, younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he, he wasted all his money in wild living. He's living like crazy, right? He's doing whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it. He's spending however much he wants to. If he wants to buy expensive shoes, he goes and does it, right? He goes and gets the fanciest sandals. He can spend it because his daddy doesn't have any say anymore. No advice, no, hey, nothing like that, but it's just go do whatever you want to do. And, and, and I'll just tell you this, that, that can be fun for a while, right? It's a season. It's a season of fun. You do whatever you want to do. You sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. You do whatever the heck you want to do when you don't feel like, hey, there's any consequences, but there are consequences. Because that path leads to destruction. And it leads to want. And it leads to hopelessness. And so what we do is we think, hey, that path is awesome. And it is for a season. It is for a season. And then it dies, man. That, that, That whole mentality dies. About the time his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jewish people. And when he said, Hey, he went in to feed the pigs. They're all like, Ooh, that's nasty. Like what? I mean, how low can you get? You know? And I mean, people are going like, you know, I mean, he shouldn't even be around those. He shouldn't even be close to them. And Jesus takes a little bit further. He says, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And so, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up, my dad raised pigs or raised hogs. And, uh, and we slopped the hogs. Anybody know what that is? Anybody ever heard of slopping hogs? All right, well, this is the grossest looking stuff you've ever seen in your life. Any kind of leftover, anything, turnips that have been cleaned, anything like that. You put it in there and you would pour it in a trough and they would come and they would just suck it up. And so here's this kid out here who is a, a Jewish boy, and, and, and he's wanting to eat the slop that's in the trough. And all these Jewish people are like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm going to throw up. You know, I mean, they're, they're, so, they're so offended by that. So Jesus, again, he's saying, say, hey, listen, this is how rough it gets. That's what that path leads to is hopelessness and destruction. I Man, that's what it leads to. It says, when he finally came to his senses, I love that. When the boy finally came to himself or his senses, He said to himself, he said, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He's thinking, at least at my father's house, there's food. So he came to his senses. He realized, you know what, man, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. And I'll just say this. There may be some of you here in the room or some of you online that you feel like, you know what, man, that's me. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I don't know if it can get any worse. And what we could learn from the young brother here is to go, my father's house has food. If we could just get our mind around the fact that the father has something for us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. He has incredible food, but man, he is filled with love. He says, I'll go to my I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned, against, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me own as a hired servant and I love this picture here that we see is the son's just trying to. you know he's kind of rehearsing hey this is what I'm gonna say to my dad when I get back you know he's kind of working it out in his in his mind and and so he's thinking about how he's gonna say it and so what's he what's he doing it's like this is what a lot of us as Christians want to do he saying, hey man maybe I can earn my way back in maybe I can earn salvation you know that that's that's works right you know, if, maybe if I could do enough good deeds, enough works, maybe dad would let me back in. If I'm just a servant, if I just serve him, if I serve the people around him, then maybe those works will get me in. Maybe those will get me back in, with, in standing with my father. And that's the way we, we often live. Well, maybe if I just do this or I do this at the church, or maybe if I put a little extra in this week in the offering, then maybe God will be okay with me. And so what that is, is works. And it's not about faith. It's about works. You're trying to earn your salvation. And all you do is you cheapen the cross when you do that. You cheapen the cross of Christ. Jesus hung on that cross for you and for me to bleed out his precious blood that we might be redeemed, saved, and set free. And we're to live in that, right? And so he goes, man, I'll just earn my way back in. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. This is the father. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You know, I've always, I can always get a, a visual in my mind of what that looks like. And so, you know, the father, you know, maybe out in the yard or maybe sitting on the front porch, whatever. But, you know, anytime somebody stepped out in the road, he would always look to see, is that my son coming home? Longing for that son to come home, right? Longing that maybe one day he'll come home. Praying, God, bring him home. God, I I want him to come home. And so he's filled, the father is filled with love and compassion. That's a picture of our heavenly father. He's filled with love and compassion for you, for me. You know, we've wandered off in our own stupidity. We've gone off and done things that are just ridiculous. We've embarrassed our father, but yet he shows compassion and love towards us. But he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Now, again, some of these Jewish people standing around are going, man, he was feeding pigs. He wanted a pig slop. And, and this father, who was this righteous man, is kissing his nasty son. But if you're a parent, you know what that's about. Man, you're just glad they're right. You know, you're glad they're home. And so these Jewish people, these religious folks are taken back. His son said, and father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He finally at the point of, brokenness man he, he realized hey not even not even good enough to be here but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet he said hey, listen he's gonna put the best robe on so here's this nasty boy who's been working in this this pig farm man slopping pigs and he, he takes the finest robe it ain't like hey go get one of the rags but he said hey go get the finest robe the very best thing that we've got he says and we're gonna put it around and put it over his shoulders I mean, think about that. The very best that we've got, like some of y'all have got, hey, listen, that's for special occasions, and we ain't using that. It's kind of like the china and a certain tablecloths or whatever. He goes, go get the finest thing that we've got, and he wraps it around this dirty son. He's kissing on him. He wraps it around. He puts a ring on his finger. That's a, that's a, hey, that's a fa- hey, you're part of the family. It's a signet ring. that Hey, you're part of the family. You're adopted in. You're, you're brought in to the family. And, and, and so the son is here. He's sitting there just trying to rehearse. And, hey, maybe I can become a servant. And he said, hey, man, put the finest robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. And put, put sandals on it for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate a feast. With a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Come on. Woo! Come on, church. The party began. Right? The, the party begins. So the father humiliated himself. By running to the son, he humiliated himself. So the father humiliated himself by sending his son Jesus to the cross for you and for me. He hung there for you and for me, humiliated. We always see this little thing tied around. He hung there most likely naked, completely naked, pulling up to breathe and just be able to to breathe this and saying, father, you know, this is the sacrifice that I'm willing to do for all of these people. Jesus went to the cross for you, for me, for the guy who did the shooting this week in Montgomery, for the people who got shot in Montgomery, you know, for your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your son, whatever it might be. I mean, that's what Jesus came for. That's what the church should be about. And and so we got to be saying, you know, Lord, if we have to humble ourselves in order to to meet the needs of the people around us, let us not make it about us, not about our comfort. You know, I mentioned it you know, our services continue to get full, and, which is a God thing and a good thing. And you know, we talked about having to go to three services. And, and there's been a little bit of pushback. People go, well, you know, I don't know if that, that's going to change my schedule up. It's not about you. You're in, right? Hopefully you're in. So it's not about you, but it's about making room for one more. It's about making space. It's about saying, hey, listen, if it takes a little bit of sacrifice on a Sunday morning for us to reach one more soul for the kingdom of God, then it's worth it. we got to have that mentality. It's not about me. It, we may have to humiliate ourselves. We may even have to give above and beyond. He covered the sun with the finest robe. You know, I, I love this. This is imputed righteousness. This is a picture of that. You know, it's imputed righteousness. When Paul develops the doctrine of justification by faith alone, he is saying that, saying that when God counts somebody righteous on the basis of faith, it is not because he looks at them and sees that they are inherently righteous. He doesn't look at you or me and he goes, man, that's a righteous guy right there. They don't, he doesn't see that. But what he does, and I love this next part. This is R.C. Sproul that said this. Rather they have been clothed by the imputation or transfer of the righteousness of Christ to that person by faith. So when the father runs out there and he arms up his son. See, a lot of the Jewish guys that were standing around were probably thinking, that boy, according to Levitical law, probably needs to be stoned because he dishonored you. He has embarrassed you. He has humiliated you. But the father just arms him up. Puts his arms around him. Puts a robe on him. It's the righteousness of Christ that's applied to our lives. That's the reason we are able to have salvation, right? Woo, come on. That's good stuff. That's good preaching, whether y'all like it or not. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. So here's the older brother. This is really the religious people, to be honest with you. This is how we can be. We're like, what's all this about? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. So everybody else is celebrating. But there are some that were like, you know, I don't know if those people ought to be in here. I don't know if we ought to be going in those rough areas. I remember years ago, we were up in Kalira doing a mission trip. And, and and we were kind of mapping out the city where we were going to go and share the gospel, and this uh, and this one guy said, I don't know if we need to go in there. That's kind of a rough area. And this guy that was with me, he's kind of the wild man of ministry. He said, Hey, listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. I'll go. And he led two or three people to Christ in that area that day. You see, we don't know what kind of change that, that brought in that community, but somebody's got to be willing to go. And so we often are like this older brother. Jesus was talking to the religious people whenever he's he's, uh, he's teaching this part on the brother. Because a lot of times we're the self-righteous. We're the ones that are kind of looking around going, well, you know, I don't know if we should be doing this. I don't know if we should be getting involved in this. If there's lost people out there, we should be involved in it. We should be engaged and we should be going after them, right? The father humiliated himself again by begging the older son. And I'll just tell you this. God is begging you to come home. Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you to trust Christ. Peter would say, I beseech you, I beg you to put your faith in Jesus. And so let me just tell you, I'm I'm no different. I'm begging you to put your faith in Christ. I'm begging you to understand the kingdom. I'm begging you to surrender everything to him you know and that's and that's the father he's begging the older son and, and, and to the jewish people they're going like why in the world would you stoop to that level it's because you love them so much and you care about people's souls and you care about where they spend eternity the older brother was angry he wouldn't go in his father came out and begged him but he replied all these years i've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do that's probably a bunch of baloney to be honest with you and that's what we often do we, we kind of feed people baloney right that's probably a bunch of baloney and in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. We know that's a lie already, right? Because the father had divided it between the two brothers. And because he's the older brother, you know what? He got twice as much as the younger brother. That's just the way it was in those days. And so he, we know that he got everything. And, and, and that's what the father says. He says, yet when this son of yours comes back and after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? He can't believe that you're celebrating this this nasty dude getting saved, coming home. You know, and and sometimes we look at and we go, man, I don't know. We get judgmental, we go, I don't know. And we got to be willing to go, you know what? God can change anybody. He can save anybody. He can use anybody. If He can use me, I promise you He can use anybody. He already had everything. The son had everything. Everything had been given to him, right? It had already been divided between him. He had everything. He was full of self. Even when he asked, he said, You never gave me anything for me and my friends. And some of us are like that, aren't we? We want to do hey what hey what's in this for me? You know, I think about using our spiritual gifts. There are times that, you know, your spiritual gifts are, are given to you to help build up the body of Christ. But it's oftentimes, that, hey, listen, I need to use my spiritual gifts for me. Kind of. But it's really for others. It's really to help build up the body of Christ. It's really to change things around us and to see the kingdom of God expanded. And it's so that God is glorified and honored. It's not really about us getting recognized or attention. It's about us serving the people around us. And so he was full of self. It was all about him. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is what? It's yours. He said, everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. I love the father. He said, we had to celebrate. Jesus is telling these religious people, we had to celebrate. The lost came home my son was dead now he's alive we had to celebrate this day for your brother was dead and has come back to life he was lost but now he is found and so I, I love that whole pack. I know it's a long text I know it's a lot of teaching but that's Jesus and that's his heart that's the heart of God right there if you ever want to go hey what, what's God really about go back and read Luke 15 read it again maybe go home and read it tonight you know I'm going to read all these stories again He realized that he is chasing after you. And he wants a relationship with you. And Jesus was willing to leave heaven. He was willing to leave everything that happens in heaven to come here to be a baby born of of Mary, right? And Joseph and Mary would raise that boy. Man, he would grow in righteousness. Man, he would grow in stature in front of men and God. And he would go to the cross for you and for me. And for those that don't know him that's why we exist as a church that's why Journey Church is here that's why we celebrate the way we celebrate and we don't apologize for it and if you want to be a part of that it's going to take all of us it's going to take all of us saying hey you know what God show me who's my one last question who is your one who is your one maybe it's your dad, your mom sister, brother best friend co-worker maybe as we've been talking today there's somebody that keeps coming back to mind and you go that's my one well I want to encourage you to, number one to pray pray for him, but I also want you to turn your life upside down and say hey, man what can I do for him?" I want to challenge you to give because you believe in the mission of this church so we can reach more we can reach one more and we can honor the one true God I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes maybe you're here today and you have never put your faith in Christ for salvation well, let today be the day that you choose to surrender your life to Christ maybe you feel like you're, hey, you're that prodigal son, you're that lost son you have wandered off the Father's watching for you to just come home You know what he'll do he'll put his arms around you he'll kiss you he'll say welcome home my son who had wandered off who was lost who was lost has been found who was dead is now alive maybe you're watching online you go mike that's me i need jesus just think about that jesus left everything to come save you to redeem you to pay for your sins and it's not you earning it don't try to earn salvation just receive it it's a gift surrender say jesus here i am i give you my life and let him change you from the inside out if that's you and you want to give your life to christ i want to, I want to lead you through a simple prayer it's not the prayer it's not the words so much as it is what you do in your heart but i want to encourage you to put your faith in christ all the faith that you have. You would say, Mike, I don't have a lot of faith. Hey, it's going to take all that you got. You say, Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth to save me and all who would come to you by faith. So Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Jesus, I, I'm not trying to earn it. I just want to receive your gracious gift of eternal life. You did everything. But I give you My life. And I want you to live in me. And I want you to live through me. And I want to reach others with the same message. So if that's you, if you just put your faith in Christ, just say, Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And Jesus, I'm asking you to step into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. If that's your prayer, then God's word says that you will be saved. And your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm looking. I'm just going to tell you, I'm looking. If you would, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer with you. I just prayed to receive Christ. Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand high. Anybody? Maybe online you've made that decision. Man, if you don't mind, text that. Hey, my decision, this is what I did today. I prayed that prayer. We continue to see more and more people watching online that are putting their faith in Christ. If you did, we want to know. We want to celebrate with you. But you know I believe there's a lot of believers that are sitting in this room that man, you need to you need to deal with the you know maybe some heart issues maybe maybe God's broken you today over the fact that you're not broken over to the lost maybe he's calling you to an altar to get on your knees maybe he's calling you to turn your your life upside down so that lost people hear the gospel Maybe he's calling you to give something up. Maybe he's calling you to finally tithe for the first time, to trust him enough to tithe. The question is, is will you respond to his call? Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for Luke chapter 15. I thank you that you are the one true God. And there is one way to a relationship with you, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ, your one and only son. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for salvation. And God, we thank you for the great commission that you have given us. Help us to be found faithful. To live that out every day. As an individual and as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would stand all across the room. Everybody stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. The worship team will lead us through a song response.